Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Well, here we are at Ruben's Burger Bistro in Boulder, Colorado. First episode of the Gruppetto Report. Thanks a lot, Rick. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate being a part of this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Henrik, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Special guest, Henrik. You are the owner of Curve Cycling, but you have something a little bit of very vintage going on. Yeah, we're uh, doing a uh, retro vintage bicycle ride on Sunday, August 16th, starting at Vecchio's Bicicleteria right down the street from here at uh, Pearl Street and 19th in Boulder. And uh, we're going to be rolling out on our vintage bicycles. So is it like LaRoyca where you are required to have vintage gear, vintage bicycle clothing? Or if you don't have that, or are you going to have uh, perhaps heaps of scorn thrown upon you? No, I don't think so. I mean, basically, obviously, it's inspired by the Leroyka. You know, it's a celebration of vintage cycling. And for those that have the gear and want to show up in their wool jerseys and their leather hairnet helmets, of course, that, that's the sort of the idea behind it. But it's not an exclusive event, so if someone wants to come out and they've got a brand new carbon fiber bike, maybe they want to check out the vintage scene, see what it's all about. So everyone's welcome. Now, I, I have a quick question. It's, it's August 16th. Correct. With wool. Well, you know, but, but, but look, I mean, if you look on this picture here behind you in the 75 Tour de France, those guys were running in wool jerseys back in in the day, and so, uh, yeah, it might be a little bit warm. This guy's <laughs> carrying a wheel. And it's not a good-looking wheel. No. It's tacoed, as a matter yeah. of fact. You, we'll try and get some shots of uh, the awesome accoutrement, I guess, since we're in a French-type thing. I'll use accoutrement. There's a lot of really cool things here in Ruben's Burger Bistro. <laughs> Very cycling-oriented restaurant if you've never been here before. It is definitely a must-stop if you're in Boulder. Absolutely. So... What is it going to cost for if you'd like to participate? Um, it's free of charge. We're talking vintage here. Yeah, right? we are. This is really this is the first one that we're putting on. Okay. And so we really just want to you know let the community know that we're here. So we're not we are not charging anything for it. It's just going to be a, a casual ride. We're going to meet down there at nine o'clock, and we're going to have what we call the Concours d'Elegance on your French theme, and, uh, and basically the idea is to, so people get a chance to walk around and 
check out each other's bicycles and have some nice conversation, and then we're just going to roll out on a casual, probably about a 50-mile ride at 10 o'clock. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and you said a casual 50-mile ride. Do you have a, a route set yet? Yeah, we do. We're going to be going, uh, you know, familiar points north, basically. We'll be rolling out. We still have to figure out exactly how we're getting out of town the safest way, but more or less we'll be heading out uh, 63rd Street, and then jogging over to 75th Street, going through Hygiene, out towards Carter Lake, and then we'll do a little dirt stretch and then loop back into town. It's just about 50 miles. Uh, north of Boulder, we have some incredible dirt roads. Are you going to incorporate some of that to keep with that theme? Yeah, we're going to have a little bit of dirt in there. Um, we're vintage still Vintage pavement. Yeah, exactly, vintage <laughs> pavement. We're still deciding how much dirt we're actually going to have. We might have a little option with a little bit more dirt. I'm a big fan of the dirt riding, so uh, we'll see how it goes. And it's funny, you know, if, if you've, again, if you've never been to Boulder, that's something that, that's not real well known if, if you're not here in this area. Boulder has some of the best dirt riding around, period. Absolutely. Here, both both on the flats and up in the hills, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can see on the dirt roads around here. It's really beautiful. I'm so bummed I'm going to be out of town. This is going to be such a blast. I'd be out there, like, shaving with a straight edge on my legs. <laughs> you got the be strop and you can do everything out there. Just get it all sharpened up right out there, old yeah, absolutely. style. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and what's really exciting, I mean, George, since we spoke on Thursday already, I think we've already got Classic Bella Portland wrapped up. Really? Yeah. Well, I've got a, oh, that's I've, I've got a crew up in Portland that... Uh, very well connected in the cycling world up there and it looks like we're going to be doing something up there as well we're still figuring out some dates but it's going to be exciting this kind of an event will really fit in with the oregon cycling scene i, I did Absolutely. live there for a while and uh it's gonna it's gonna hit right in a sweet spot that's gonna be popular yeah oh my god I so. yeah. i'm seeing you out in new england and yeah we're I, looking forward to this it. is brilliant yeah. i just really really looking idea. forward to it should be a time. lot of fun. Now, where would where should people go if they'd like to learn a little bit more information? Um, we've got a page on on our website, classicvelo.com, all one word. Um, it's a pretty basic informational page, but it's all there. And, it and has what my, is your website? Uh, classicvelo.com. Okay. Yep. And um, they, you know, my contact information is there. They can send me an email, give me a call, whatever. So. And are you going to have a Twitter feed and Instagram feed just for the, these events? Um, I'm not sure that we're going to have a Twitter and Instagram feed sorted out as of yet, although we will have uh, updates on the Curve and the Pandana okay. feeds. Yeah, if you don't know, again, he, uh, Henrik is the owner of Curve, but also those Pandana things you wear around your neck when it's a little bit chilly, yep. it saves your throat, especially for George and I, who talk for a living. That's a great thing. Yeah, Very much so. so. And Amelia, who's over there, like fighting for the pandana when I came home with one. Right on. There you go. There you go. You know, he's my eight-year-old. And and just you know, one thing I just want to you know say thanks to Vecchio's. Uh, they're helping us out, and also the Pros Closet is is helping us with this event. So, you know, it's great to have some uh, some local support from the community. Both of those places have awesome displays of classic cycles in their uh, in their shops. Uh, the Pros Closet actually is building a museum with uh, some incredible bikes if you again if you ever get to boulder that's just one of those uh, one of those places that you have to come by and see in person absolutely and again i just when we talked last we were talking about some of the vintage people that live here um have you heard from any of the vintage era racers um not too many i've, I've spoken to a few guys unfortunately that won't be able to attend i talked to ron kiefel he's got a, a commitment 
Hampston is actually in Italy right now, but I will be riding with Andy in the Leroyca in October, so that'll be fun. That's going to be um, an interesting event for you to do. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. That's that's sort of the the beginning of really the whole vintage scene in the world, and that's going to be quite a challenge. So how many vintage cycles do you own? I'm curious. I, at the moment, I'm tr I have three at the moment. I'm trying to limit it to no more than that but you know the what's the old adage you know the right amount of bikes is n plus one right or n is the number of bikes you have at the moment so uh you know they tend to multiply i think a lot of us who are <laughs> in the cycling scene and big bike fans uh really kind of understand that methodology it's obvious and and the other thing is i have a vintage mountain bike also oh. so you know i guess it's four <laughs> that counts yeah if it, it's it hanging counts. in, the, in yeah. the garage yeah exactly exactly but a vintage mountain bike, I mean, that only, that actually goes back to my memory, 70s. which is... Well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, the mountain bikes really started sort of in the 80s. Right. And then, and I used to work for Yeti Cycles for a while. Oh, you did? Yeah. And, and so, you know, in that era, it was, you know, Breeze and Salsa and, and those guys. And then mountain biking as a boom really took off in the 90s. And, oh, yeah. And Curve was part of that. You know, we made components, all the anodized aluminum components and titanium bits and bobs and so uh you know the vintage in mountain bike is a little bit newer so vintage to mountain bike goes until about 1996. i think a lot of us had those curve uh brake boosters Absolutely. on the front and back of our yeah, bikes we, we sold myself included of those things. we sold thousands <laughs> of those things so it was good definitely awesome so. well thank you very much for being here thank you so much guys i really appreciate it, really appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Up next, we have Ben Day of Day by Day Coaching to talk to us about a bunch of different things. Next on the Gruppetto Report. From Ruben's Burger Beast. Yeah. we got to order some food. I know. Yeah. We do. Right on. Henrik, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, sir. That was awesome. Right on. So, poof. It's magic. <laughs> is there a magic cloud? Are you guys going to go in and Photoshop a cloud in here? We can do that. What's yeah. that song? Oh, oh, it's magic? Yeah. Then, it's been day. I, I don't know that word. Um, can you sing it for me? Nope. Yeah, not no. singing Come it. On. Not a chance. Come on. We got audio. Trust me. Well, here's the, here's the problem. This is our first show. If I sing it, no one's ever going to come back. Oh. Because they'll think I'll well, sing yeah. every episode. You never know. Why? Could set a precedent. And you think people would want to hear me sing? I don't think so. I think we do. No. It's a strange world out there. You never oh, know what's going to be popular on, on YouTube. It really could... No. Uh, maybe next time. <laughs> See? Maybe next time. Maybe one more well, that... or two more of these <laughs> and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Let's see how oh. long this goes for. If he drains that one, maybe we'll hear. Another... Oh, oh, it's magic. Uh, you know, this was almost empty in the last segment. And now it's full again. How did that happen? Oh, magic fairies. Oh, Beef, yeah. The bee fairies. Thank you to Rubens for continuing to keep us hydrated. Hydrated, that's the word. So, obviously, we have Ben Day joining us now. Ben Day, uh, former professional racer, now advice giver. Day-by-day -day coaching. That's all right. I do my best. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, you're apparently doing pretty well because somebody won today. Uh, this Shimei, one of my favorite beers in the world, is in celebration of Keel Ronan. Winning today, first stage of the Tour of Utah. So Cheers, Keel. I uh, had a few teary eyes this, this afternoon, and uh, congratulations, Keel, and the UHC boys. Uh, it got a lead out from uh, a mate of his, as a matter of fact. There was uh, the Wolf Pack, as they're called. <laughs> Alex and Taylor here in town, and uh, I can't imagine how it was for those guys 
racing together. They're such great friends, but all on different teams, and they went to the line together, and that's uh, a pretty amazing experience. And then Taylor Finney's story, comeback from his such a crazy crash last July, was it? Yeah. I don't think people will ever really grasp how hard it must be to come back from such a, a horrific injury. And it, and it really was. The photo was out there on Twitter and social media and things, and it, it really was a quite quite an awful injury. And I, I can't even fathom coming back from that. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of backstories, you know. It's like people won't ever really know that because it's Taylor and his life. And I think people were really questioning... Is he ever going to come back? Is he ever going to be some a cyclist of with, with good talent? You know, a guy with the ability to get a result again. And in today, the very first race he has back, he finishes third. That's honestly like I'm blown away with that. I think that's pretty amazing. I'm, I just would like for you to kind of take us to the the mental aspect of coming back from a crash like that, and then being in a sprint finish. I mean, what's going through your head? I wonder. I wonder. Like, it'd be interesting to talk to Taylor and see how he's feeling right now. But, uh, uh, George, as we've just been speaking now, and you were saying that you've come back from a, a really horrific injury late last year. The rehab is horrible. I also broke my leg in January as well. Uh, so we have 10 broken bones sitting here. <laughs> um, maybe I should scoot away because I've never broken a bone. <laughs> I've crashed on my bike, but been very lucky that it was just uh, flesh wounds. Yes. Knock on wood. Yes. <laughs> Knock on wood. No, but like to, to look at what Taylor went through and the fact that he shattered his leg, like it, it was a, a very serious injury. And I. I was working with a physical therapist during that time when I was trying to make my comeback. Aussie guy. Aussie um, guy. So, just walking in front of the camera was Michael Robson yes, there. That uh, was Michael Robson. He's. There uh, they're doing a show up, up here in just a moment. So, uh, special appearance by another Aussie guy here in town. Apparently, he knows what to do with a camera, but then he just walks in front of one, right? Yeah. Well, he's used to being on the other side of the camera, mm. not in front. So. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, get get on the nose there. Yeah. Um, so you, recovering from an injury like that. Yeah, and like he had setbacks on along that road in itself. Like obviously the injury was bad enough, but that's a big comeback. That's a lot of time to be not practicing the thing that you love to do, which is training, and then actually getting out there and racing. And uh, I, I'm sure he's like over the moon that he's been able to come back and make make such a successful comeback third in his very first stage like and where the question really was will he ever get a result again as a cyclist would he have a career again as a cyclist and uh, i'm very happy for him i think it's uh, it's awesome you know podium first race back it's an awesome story and it, you know, we've seen him training very hard here in the boulder area while he's been recovering and that is the question you know will that training uh equal some kind of result and yes it did it's not easy even like if you're not injured and you have 12 months off racing that's a really hard road to come back on you need the racing to have that race fitness you know and he just showed his uh, his, his absolute class today so hats off to him really awesome so what else is going on in the day by day world busy with lots of athletes across the world we've got a bunch of professionals who are performing really well um, now we're really trying to bring the things that we learnt uh, from racing ourselves like dealing with teams dealing with the stresses of like the day-to-day -to, -day to to be ready for the race race time you know it's like 
training is a very small part of the puzzle and with these particular athletes, they've got that stuff figured out in the first place. Like often the people that we start working with, they've already achieved a lot of success, they've already had some great results. So that's not the big thing. It's like we're not there to rewrite the book, but we're there to help them manage the situation that they're in, um, take the things that they've already realized that work really, really well for them, and then just sort of supplement and complement that by trying to make them better than, than what they were in the first place. But they're so talented and they're coming to us in the first place with, with, with those attributes. It's a matter of like really grasping that and seeing where we can make small differences and uh, it's uh, I so it was 11 and a half months ago that I did my very first, very last race I should say which was the Boulder to Denver stage of the USA Pro Challenge and it was a very emotional day and to be able to live vicariously through my athletes now really feels my life like otherwise I don't know how I would be feeling right now because you just grabbed my next question I was uh, really curious what has a year of retirement been like for you retirement from the pro peloton uh, it's been a roller coaster it's definitely been a roller coaster it's like post season like the end of the season finished at the end of August last year I immediately got on a plane went to Europe spent some time with my guys I really believe in the aspect of, of working face to face with our athletes and and understanding their, their life circumstances and the things that they're dealing with in the day to day, I think that's super important. And you look at basketball, for example, or tennis. Tennis is a great example. These athletes have an entourage around them, right? Whereas professional cyclists, and I would argue it's, it's definitely one of the hardest sports in the world, right? Like these guys are going through a lot. They don't have that entourage around them. So they're not only having to deal with their training, but they're having to deal with the psychology of being prepared. The, the the body conditioning, the body maintenance around that. They've got a, a bunch of other stuff to deal with in terms of like securing contracts year to year. There's a lot of there's a lot on their plate, you know. So sort of being there and really understanding the situations that they're dealing with helps me to understand, okay, so this is a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That person, this is their personality. These are the things that we're dealing with, and it's not about changing that. It's about taking that on board and working with these people in the best way. So, having the opportunity to finally really spend face-to-face -face time with these people has been really changing. I think. I think it's. I feel like it's helped a lot. It's helped my understanding a lot to, to see exactly what they need. Training is obviously a big part of that. They're very good at that already. And there's a lot of these other things. There's these nuances in terms of psychology and understanding what they're going through at the time. 
So you know, you know what? I am going to go through my archives and pull our interview from the last stage of the U.S. Pro Challenge last year <laughs> and put that up with this. Yeah. Was I was I drunk then? Okay. You weren't <laughs> drunk yet. Okay. But you were on your way. I was on my way. <laughs> so would you say how how difficult is it uh, trying to rein in your athletes from trying to overtrain? Because I know that that can be kind of an issue sometimes where athletes will. They're very excited. They want to get out there. They want to train. But is it is it tough to, to rein them in and say, no, you, you don't need to do anything this day? You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I find different athletic groups have, they come at it in a, in a different way, right? So I have a few triathletes and Ironman athletes, and these people really want to do it the hard way. And I just, just the camera didn't catch that, but Robson just <laughs> crawled across the floor. <laughs> That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Taking one for the team. Thank you, Michael Robson. He, he, so he crawled across the floor like butter. Oh, just like. Oh, the oh, early, thank, thank you. you. Oh, ching ching. <laughs> oh god. So, so going back to yeah. the question, where so athletes? We, we really find that there's an element of people who are they're very gung ho and they'll go out there and they'll work so hard. But they're just lacking a little bit, bit of precision in what they're doing. You know, there's this balance between quality and quantity that, that you really need. Quantity is is, a, is very important up to a point, and then if you're negating the quality side of things, then you're really just spinning the wheels and not going anywhere, right? And we find that that's what we're experiencing with some of our athletes. Some of them are like so set about going out there and like just smashing through that brick wall. They're not thinking about what they're doing. There's no finesse involved. And that is, that's going to be something that's going to stop them from having success. Ultimately, pretty much everything that we do within day-by-day coaching is, is performance. And performance for us is not a power number. It's not how you look at the coffee shop or anything like that. It's about where you finish across the finish line. You know? it's like, and ultimately, that's how fast you can go. It's a very simple way of looking at it. But there's, when you take that back and dissect it, it's a lot more complicated than what you might think. So like performance is the power number, it's the training, it's this whole holistic side, it's the psychology, it's the lifestyle, it's the family situation that they're dealing with, it's the financial situation that they're dealing with. It's all these things, this body maintenance, all these things like in this big network that they need to to really figure out and find the right balance with all of that in order to be prepared and find the their, their optimal performance. Right? So what about a, a young athlete out there right now who may be watching this and considering getting a coach but might not be ready for a coach? What kind of advice would you give that young cyclist to prepare themselves uh, before they get into where they need a coach? At that point, it really is experience. You know, So get in there. I recommend racing a lot. You know, seeing what they've got available. Get in there. Maybe not every weekend, but like three weekends of the month. Go out there, race, get that experience. There's a lot to learn. You gotta do the miles. You, you really do need to, to do the miles. And just to go back to your question earlier on, you know, we're talking about some people really come in here and they bring so much quantity to the story that they miss out on the quality. But you also need to do the work. You know, there's no two ways about that. You still need to, to invest the time. And you know, it's just understanding what that balance needs to be at all times. That's, that's the nuance, you know, and that's 
what you won't learn in a book, it's what you'll learn from experience. And so go to your local club, talk to you know your, your top cyclist there, lean on his experience, contact us, stuff like that. Like really listen to, to what the people who have actually gone down this path before, see what they've experienced and, and try, try to draw upon that, you know, like figure out what's the best way for me to figure out how I can do this as a career. How do people contact you and are you still taking clients? Uh, we have a couple of other coaches working with me now. So uh, we have Chris Baldwin, who's here in town in Boulder. Uh, he's doing a great job with a bunch of athletes, including Rob Britton, who's had a, a great year with uh, winning the Tour of the Healer this year, which was an amazing result. Um, so Chris, very like-minded athlete to me. We used to train together a lot. Uh, it's been great to, to for us to partner together and, and to use our experience to, to help the athletes that we have. Uh, and also now we have Jeremy Hunt working with us as well. So, yeah, so Jeremy was a teammate of mine 11 years ago. Shit, I'm worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was 11 years ago. But he was, so he was racing with Benesto back in the late 90s with Miguel and Drain in that era. So, like, his experience is nothing you'll ever draw upon from a book, you know. And that... There's all these nuances that you need to understand about how to under, undertake this like training process to be fit and ready to go, but then to be able to perform at the races, like it has to be specific for what you're doing, and and that's uh, that's our sort of mo here is that we want to have people who have, who have this experience. We love the science. I love the science of physiology and and really trying to bring that on board and, and help our our people be as fit as possible. But at the end, end of the day. What we want is people to be crossing the finish line, you know, achieving the results that they want to achieve. Whether it's, whether it's winning the race, whether it's quali qualifying for the Kona Ironman, whether it's like finishing their first Ironman, stuff, something like that. Like these are all massive achievements for these people to undertake and then achieve. We just kind of brought up. A, I was going to ask: uh, Do you just do cycling, or do you do triathlon and some other sports as well? Yeah, no. So I, I work with a few triathletes as well. Uh, and for me, it's been really interesting because I like to justify everything I do. So cycling is, I think, a sport that is based upon fitness, right? There is an element of skill, an element of technique that has to be there, otherwise you're not competitive. But it's probably 90% fitness and 10% is technical side. You can see the triathlon for a, for, for a second, and then all of a sudden you got running, which is probably 50% technique and 50% fitness and then swimming which is probably 90% technique and 10% fitness and it's a whole different ball game right and working with cyclists for me in particular is like this is my passion this is what I've always done this is my life this is basically my life I'm just trying to impart the, the hard learnt stories that I've learned on these people a triathlon same goes in terms of the preparation and the performance aspect but there's this whole other element of this technical side of it, which I find fascinating, which is that you've got to be efficient to move forward. And I think that's something that cyclists can use, use as well in terms of like pedaling technique and cornering technique. And you need to make sure that you're doing these little things correctly in order to progress forward, because otherwise you're going to reach this stop eventually, right? And so what I'm finding in working with these, these triathletes, for example, is that they're, they come from this movement that's all about more is better. 
and I call bullshit on more is better. I, I believe you've got to do enough. You definitely have to do the work. There's no easy way right. to, to succeed in any of these sports. Endurance sports is all about being tough. Every single endurance sports has this like little man running around your head saying, oh shit, my leg's hurt right now, I'm in trouble. <laughs> right? yeah. We all go through that. like, And it, it, that's part of the process is sort of telling him to get to the back the back, and be quiet, you know. Um, but they come from this aspect of like, more is always better, but it, it's not true because you have to have that balance once again between that quantity and that quality side of things. And I'm finding it really interesting coming in to that world without the racing experience before. Like, I'm trying to bring my sort of athletic experience to it and my book education to it but trying to just sort of enact an amount of common sense to the, the, the performance as well. And what I'm finding is that it's, uh, it's, it's been working really well. It's just, you don't need to do 40 hours a week training, which is what some of these Ironman athletes would be doing. Wow, 40 can, hours a week? Yeah, it, it's crazy. And honestly, I feel like it's a little bit abusive. To, to, it's a probably a strong well, word. Well, no, that's, I mean, that's a good word, I think, because yeah. there's a, a study out word. recently yeah. uh, that okay. shows you know, what the strain of, of these extreme endurance sports are doing to the athlete's heart. You know, I, I don't have it at the fingertips, yes. but, you know, it, it, it was a very interesting article, uh, and I think you're right. I think you can go too far when you train. Oh, Overtraining is extremely dangerous. Going way into another show here. Sure. I mean, when you're talking abusive but training for age group athletes, I mean, where is your family life? Where is your, I mean, come well, on. Yeah. <laughs> Professional athletes as well. Exactly. Well, sure. and, and I think this this the, the balance not only applies to quantity versus quality, it also applies to training versus quality of life for your family. Yeah. There has to be some sort of a balance yes. in both of those areas. Yes. I think back. I think back to my own career as a cyclist, right? And I was in Europe for seven years. And for okay, for example, I was in Portugal one year, and I did this area, this period where I was like. I'm going to try to lose as much weight as possible. Two years earlier, just to backtrack a little bit, I went to Italy, my first year overseas. I reached in for the handshake with the director. He reached straight past my hand, grabbed my fat rolls on my stomach, which I didn't think I actually had any. He shook them instead and said, you can lose seven kilos. And I was like, seven kilos? This is going to be an interesting year. This is going to be an interesting year. So that was my first year there. And so a couple of years later, I thought, well, I think this is a little bit extreme, but I'm going to try to do this. And so I went through this whole thing where I didn't have a lot of money to spend anyway, so it wasn't so hard to starve myself, I suppose. I would have one <laughs> McFlurry every two weeks. One McFlurry, and the trick with the McFlurries, you know what a McFlurry is. Like, is that like the McDonald's, McDonald's yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look too confused. You need well, to know what these are. Uh, I, apparently, I don't go to McDonald's enough. The special <laughs> mixing, the special mixing is double Oreos and M&Ms. So if you ever get a McFlurry, huh. try that. Okay. It's been a few years. I don't know if it's changed, but that's what so I See, you're not saying. a pro racer anymore. You can go back to that if you want. <laughs> no, I just drink beer instead. Yeah. So, mm. so that period, it was like a matter of like really not enjoying sort of my food, my life around outside of cycling. And I was able to lose a lot of weight, but it was such a fragile state. It wasn't very conducive to performance. It was, it was good for a very short period of time and then the whole house crumbled you know so that was such especially like 
Western society, like Australians, Americans, going to Europe, it is very traditional over there. We're very forward-thinking people. We have a lot more right to our opinions. Whereas over there, it's like, shut up and listen to what you're told. And especially back in that era, when you go back there and, and they're like, whoa, like, you can't eat your protein with your carbohydrates. Like, what are you thinking? You're crazy. Well, you're, you can't eat that bread. Like, the bread is bad for you. Like, if you're going to eat the bread, only eat the crust and leave the inside rolled up in a bowl on the table. That's like, the best part. I know. It, 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 was just, it was very weird, you know. It's very weird and suppressive. And at the end of it, I came to the US in 2007 and I realized just having a little bit of balance between working really hard because you still can't get away from that. Like that, 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 that work still has to be invested. But to do that and then to actually have a life outside of that in terms of like whether it's you're single and you're having fun down the road or you're, you, have, you have a partner and you're investing in your relationship and you're having fun and enjoying life and you're seeing the world. That is a lot healthier place to be in, and I, I really believe in is a happy athlete, is a is a fast athlete, is a successful athlete, and that balance has to be there. And if it's not there, it creates these fragilities that you'll find when the dog turd hits the fan. You know, it's like, and everybody deals with that, especially in the professional world. These contracts are year to year, or if you're lucky, a two-year contract. But Which is pretty rare. And it's Hugh very, Ryan yeah. must be very happy at the moment. Yeah. He's a happy dude. Stage. He's a happy dude. This is contract time of year. And, uh, like, Keel is uh, a dear friend. I, I, I love racing with him. I still have a lot of uh, I love great memories from racing with my, my teammates from last year. And, and uh, working with him this year, it's like, you know, I really understand the, the blood, sweat, and tears and the anguish that gets put into preparation to get that gets put into the season you know and these guys really put everything into what they're doing it's not a job it's not just a job it's a it's their whole life as well and so for him to win today i think it was great for him like he looked very very happy crossing the finish line oh yeah the very photos are out there on social media fantastic but you consider that you consider you know his, his wife as well jordan it's like they're all invested in this together and it's like he puts a lot. He puts his 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 heart on his sleeve, and he, he puts everything into it. And so, it's not a black and white sport. You know, it's not always the fastest person that that's there or the strongest person that there finishes first. And that's the beauty of cycling, but that's also the bitch of cycling as well. You know, it's so for him to actually receive such a, a, an amazing moment after putting all the hard work in. I'm really really happy for him. He I deserves saw, it. He really deserves it. I saw a tweet, and Keel's a great guy. I saw a tweet uh, this afternoon after the stage, after the press conference from Chad Andrews, who is a commentator and, and an interviewer, that the press conference with those guys and the winner of the, uh, of the women's stage all was a very entertaining and one of the most fun press conferences he's ever been in. Uh, and I can imagine with those guys and, and Keel and, Taylor, and Annie, and she, it, it had to be it had to be quite interesting. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit of a different breed. Like, I've, I've been training with those guys before, and they almost have a... They're speaking English, <laughs> but I don't know what direction it's coming from, basically. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
Ben Day, thanks very much. What's your website, by the way, for day-by-day coaching? Daybydaycoaching.com. Right. Daybydaycoaching.com. Thank you. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. I thought we were speaking USA Pro Challenge. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Repetal Report, Ruben's Burger Bistro, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas, Rick Tillery. Time to eat dinner. All right. 365 day returns.